once verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Episode 260 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, February 25th, 2016, and available for download or streaming on Monday, February 29th at PriorityOnePodcast.com. I'm Kenna. And I'm Tony. And as always in the recording booth is our audio engineer, Winters. Hello, everyone. So, Tony, what have we got this week? And check it out this week, we're looking at Axonar's first official response to the copyright lawsuit brought against them by CBS and Paramount. In Star Trek Online News, we're looking at the latest goings-on in the world of STO. Our on-screen segment is taking a two-week hiatus, but no fear, Jace is here with another Star Trek literary review. And of course, before we wrap up the show, we'll be opening hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Captains, we love it when you join in on the discussion with us, so drop us a line on one of our social media channels. You can leave us a comment on our website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. Send us a message on Facebook at Facebook.com forward slash PriorityOnePodcast or follow us on Twitter at PriorityOnePod. You can even leave us a voicemail using SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage. And finally, thanks to all of our Patreon supporters, old and new, who make this show possible from week to week. With your help, we can keep improving the quality and content of the show. Visit us at patreon.com forward slash priority one and find out all about the cool perks we have to offer. Speaking of Patreon perks, this week on Priority One After Hours. And so we thought we would just talk a little bit about uh, shows that we loved that, that they got canceled really before they should have done. The one, and I'm going to say it, I'm going to go there. It's Some shows can make the transition, and I yeah. think you can thank Nathan Fillion. There's there's two that I see on this list. Um, Star Trek Enterprise and Quantum Leap. Oh, oh my. Oh. Hmm, there's a common denominator Yeah, there, there is a common thread. This unscripted, uncensored, and unedited recording is available exclusively to our Patreon subscribers. Now let's check out the latest developments in the Axonar lawsuit. I don't know. Then let's trek it out. Well, before we get into the meat of Trek It Out, I just want to take a second to let everyone know that our friends at Geek Nation Tours and Five Year Mission have just released a special song for everyone heading to Las Vegas for the 50th celebration. It's a super catchy song, so you should go trek it out. And you can even download the song for free. We'll leave a link in the show notes. Objection! Sustained! Overruled! You're out of order, and I'm holding myself in contempt. (coughs) Sorry, just getting warmed up for this little piece of news from a certain lawsuit currently gearing up in the United States District Court for the Central District of California. A little kerfuffle entitled Paramount Pictures Corp. v. Axonar Productions, Inc. et al. You may have heard of it. On February 22nd, attorneys for the defendants filed a motion to dismiss the complaint filed by the owners of the Star Trek IP. Axonar Productions and its principal, Alec Peters, have 
basically responded to Paramount and CBS, um, who are you, what exactly is your problem, and easy there, trigger, wait your turn. The motion to dismiss demands the studios precisely identify, one, who owns what copyrights, two, exactly how they came to own them, and three, which ones have been violated. They follow up with four, oh, by the way, Your Honor, they'll have a tough time doing that last one because the script isn't even finished. These are all excellent points, ones that will need to be addressed before securing a judgment from the court. And because CBS and Paramount have asked for money and an order that Peter stop making Axanar, it's very important that the judge has satisfactory answers before granting that judgment, especially on the cease and desist order called an injunction. In American jurisprudence, telling someone not to say something before they actually say it is a big deal. It's called prior restraint, and courts don't do that lightly. Um, basically, if Paramount wants the court to pull out a big bag of shh with Axanar's name on it, they'd better make a compelling case. Is this a torpedo to the hull of the lawsuit that has Trek fanfic creators anxious, peeved, and or enraged around the world? No. Is it a shot across the bow? Yes. What happens now is anyone's guess. Negotiation? Escalation? Additional lawsuits? Who knows? All we can say for sure is, the fight's on. So can I ask a couple of legal questions about this? Uh, knowing, of course, that you, yes. you are not an the, IP lawyer. Yes, the, the answers I'm about to give are <laughs> educational entertainment only. Uh, for real <laughs> legal <laughs> advice, <laughs> please consult a licensed lawyer in your jurisdiction. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, go ahead. Okay, well, because there are a couple of bits that I don't really understand. Um, the issue of who owns what copyrights, does that really matter? Because yes. if they brought a joint lawsuit where they both own... Well, see, the IP that's the fun and, part. And they're not specifying which parts of the IP or they're specifying that multiple parts of the IP have been infringed upon. Then does it really matter who owns exactly which bit? Yes, because it may turn out that the only bits that are being infringed upon are owned by CBS. Or it well, may in which out. case, do they have to drop the whole thing and then CBS no, no, has to refile no, but, or something? No, but Paramount, Paramount, Paramount leaves. And, therefore, and then CBS has to decide whether or not they want to continue on the lawsuit all by themselves because theoretically oh, they're see. two separate companies, right? Yeah. Theoretically, they're now they're both joined at the hip through National Amusements and, and Sub the Sumner Redstone family. But theoretically, the it's a joint they're joint plaintiffs, right? And so they've agreed to split the costs and the you know PR problem of suing fans. Um, so I mean, it, it might change the dynamic if if one of them has to leave the case because their rights aren't actually being infringed. It's it's kind of a nickel and dime you know, technical maneuver, but it means something in, in court. You know, one plaintiff uh, doesn't have a case. You're dismissed. You're out. Uh, the defendant wins. You hand the defendant a victory. Uh, so you're done. And I suppose theoretically, you know, it could be uh, grounds for charging that they filed a frivolous lawsuit. You know, it's like, well, you didn't even bother to check to see if you owned it before you filed a lawsuit. That's not cool, man. So, I mean... It's it, it's it's real. It's a thing you have to do, but it won't. It, it's not gonna. It's not a like I said. It's not a torpedo to the hull. It's that's. It, but it's something. Um, and the other part about you know uh, about it is they start off in the case CBS and Paramount do that Star Trek was created by Gene Roddenberry, and now we own it. Like you skipped a few steps there, pal. And the the evidence that they filed in their brief of ownership of the copyrights was like. Only one. It's like, yeah, go look at that. That that good, you know. Here, here it is. Good enough. Well, no, that was an assignment, and it was a partial assignment. And I don't see Gene Roddenberry's name on it. So alleging that Gene Roddenberry created it, now that you own it, 
you've skipped a few steps. So, um, and that could be kind of fun for all the reasons that I've, I've talked about in, in, on this show and in the after hours that Star Trek's IP ownership is messy and yep. involves a lot of parties. Famously messy. Famously messy. And so they may not want to be put through their paces to prove up the chain of title to Star Trek's IP because it could be that they're missing some plaintiffs like the Roddenberry estate. Wouldn't that be fun? Um, so, I mean, that, that, so, and, and maybe that by that discovery or by finding those things out, maybe Axnar needs to go talk to the Roddenberry estate to get a license. Wouldn't that be entertaining to find out? Um, so, I mean, having, uh, having the, uh, you know, uh, the, the attorneys make CBS and Paramount go through the actual granular steps of proving the case changes the dimensions of the case uh, quite a bit. Um, does it end it? By no means. Does it make negotiation a little more possible? Maybe. Um, but we'll have to find out. And the other thing that I needed a bit more clarity on, in I, I think your fourth point about... Uh, the script not being finished it, is that what you were referring to about prior restraint so yeah. um, basically part of the lawsuit is alleging that the script for Axnar the motion picture is infringing on the um, intellectual property but then the current claim is that the script isn't finished therefore if you, you can't claim that it's infringing because it hasn't technically been done yet yeah. Is that part of the issue? Yeah, essentially. Now, it's prior restraint is a big bad thing. Uh, even you know, we we even 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 the English didn't like it back in the revolutionary days. I mean, dear God, even they thought that was a bad deal. You know, and we we dumped a bunch of tea in the ocean over that stuff. So, um, but you know, when Tom Cruise got around to it, it was fine. No, 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 no. Tom Tom Cruise wanted to. Tom Cruise wanted that. I don't think he got it. And he would probably wouldn't get it in an American court. That's why he sued in Britain, because at least maybe he had a chance at it. Um, but I don't even think I don't even think the British uh, courts went in for that. Um, British. What happens in America and a little bit in Britain and Australia and other uh, English devolved countries is that you can say whatever you want, but there are varying degrees of consequences for saying those things. So the point of the defense uh, motion to dismiss here is that. We need to be able to have the opportunity to actually make the thing that you're going to sue us for before you sue us for it. Um, that could work, and, and and yeah, because I mean the prior restraint's a big deal. But if Paramount and CBS are able to prove that the only thing you're doing in making this thing is infringing, like you've borrowed so much and used so much, and you've 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 uh, uh, copied so many. Uh, elements and, and aliens and, and uh, whatever's whatever it is they end up alleging that the only thing it is is one big fat infringement well then that might that might carry the day you know it, it, maybe I'm not saying it would but it would be with added with everything else it might carry the day and here's the other fun part it might change the nature of the lawsuit from a copyright one to a trademark one and that, I think, would be even worse for fans because everybody that's ever borrowed a Starfleet uniform design or a Delta or anything else would all of a sudden be, oh, crap. Now CBS is going to be pissed off for, for us borrowing you know, the iconic symbology even a little bit. Uh, and, th- and I think that is the, that's the nightmare outcome is that the defense does such a good job of defending the copyright claims that they 
they turn around and turn it into a different kind of lawsuit. One that actually does put a real damper on anybody trying to make anything Star Trek-y. Okay, so we've got the official lawsuit and we've got the motion to dismiss as well. How much of the rest of uh, this issue are we going to be able to have access to? Is this something that is going to be a matter of public record as it yeah. goes through the courts? I mean, anything filed in the court's public record. Now, if they have meetings on their own to work some, work out a deal and negotiate it, um, number one, we'll never know about that. Uh, number two, we may never know what the, if there is a negotiated settlement, we may not know what that is. We do, They just made, there may be an announcement, we've settled the lawsuit, thanks. And that could be it. Um, and we'll never know what, what, what happens. Uh, okay. So, eh, so basically be... we need to keep our eyes peeled. Oh, Hopefully sure. Hopefully oh, we'll sure. learn a bit more. Oh, sure. And on a little lighter note, there's something strange in our planetary neighborhood, or is there? A new series on the Science Channel entitled NASA's Unexplained Files has highlighted what may have been an unexplained music transmission heard by Apollo 10 astronauts as they orbited around the dark side of the moon, where there shouldn't be any radio transmissions at all, at least not coming from Earth. The Apollo 10 mission was the fourth manned mission in the Apollo space program, and it was designed to be like a dress rehearsal for the first moon landing. In May of 1969, astronauts Thomas Stafford, John Young, and Eugene Cernan orbited the moon, coming close enough to the lunar surface that they could have landed had this been a real landing mission. Instead, they continued around the far side of the moon before heading home to Earth, where they splashed down on May 26th, some 400 miles east of American Samoa. But what about that odd transmission? In files recovered in 2008, it was discovered that while out of transmission range of Earth, the astronauts aboard the lunar module heard odd sounds coming through their radio, which they described as an outer spacey whistling sound. In a pair of videos released by the Science Channel, you can hear the noise as well as view the crew's reactions to it. Now, there's no official explanation as to what the noise could have been, but there are several theories, including that it was simply radio interference from the two parts of the spacecraft. So are we to believe that it was a trick of technology or a weak broadcast from another world? I'm going to have to go with the technology explanation, but it's certain that this story has really captured the imagination of the general public, as the two videos have racked up over 5 million views in just a couple of days. I'm not saying that it's not aliens, but it's not aliens. <laughs> it's Iconians, obviously. It's always the Iconians, though. No, I did. I, I probably I like the radio interference explanation. Like somebody didn't quite, you know, turn the other one off in the lunar landing module, and like, like yeah. they left it. They left it on. Uh, I like that explanation. Uh, I'm going with that. Uh, yeah. Because I don't think because if this was a thing, wouldn't Apollo's 11 through 17 have heard something too? Well, and also the the next 40 years of people listening to stuff from outer space. <laughs> like, it's oddly specific that a, a, a music transmission well, from outer space would hit no, no, no. the dark side of the moon only. No, 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 you're looking at this the wrong way. Now, because I have to take you know, Lennon over on Guard Frequency, you know, longtime Priority One uh, uh, employee uh, and, and friend of the show, um, would say that it's the Nazis on the, living on the surface of the moon. Because we all know they left the planet God, Earth. I forgot about that. Yeah, we all know that we they left planet Earth after right. the World War II to establish a secret moon base from which they will reinvade. <laughs> right. People know that I'm talking about the plot of the uh, ridiculous fan film Iron Sky, but you know the the uh, the but that's probably what it might not be. Probably what it might not be. Space Nazis. <laughs> that's my leading theory for what it's not. 
well, you know, what, what, what is it that you say when, when you eliminate all the impossible things, what you're left yeah, with? Yeah, impro- whatever's left, however improbable, must be the solution. You know, I, yeah, okay. so I, actually, I haven't heard you completely eliminate I, the space I guess as a, I, as a Lenin keeps bringing solution. it up, so he may know something. That could be what is going on. He, he may know something. I'll have to, I'll have to uh, interrogate him a little, little more. Did we do a background check on him before we no, him? No, absolutely not. He had a British accent, so we thought everything would be fine. <laughs> well, you do... <sighs> You've fallen into the, the trap, you know. British accents sometimes oh, no. are, like, really respectable and knowledgeable, but half the time they're super they're villains. villains. Oh, damn it. Oh, now, we, now we're in trouble. Okay. We better finish up and record, hurry up and uh, finish recording the show so I can go fix this. <laughs> Lennon, on that you're note, fired. Yeah, Lennon, you're fired. You're a super villain. We've caught you. No, no, don't do that. You'll provoke him. Oh, nuts. God only knows what will happen next. Oh, I know we're totally screwed. Lennon, you're having a, getting a raise. Does that does that mean we're henchmen? Inadvertent henchmen. I think yeah. I can use that as a defense. The inadvertent I henchmen like that defense. Story. Yeah, that's what, that's what, that's our that's story. My story we're sticking, and I'm sticking to, to it. it. Bingo. Now let's find out what happened this week in Star Trek Online. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where Mark and I bring you up to speed on the latest news about Star Trek Online. It's been a bit quiet, actually, yeah, it has been. on the old well, like, um, Stonews front. Which makes me think the suspicions are true. Should we just talk about that for a second? Because yeah, let's go for it. While we're, while we're talking about it. So, we think that some big things are on the horizon. So, we already know that the new horizon. skill system revamp has hit Tribble, which means that it will hit Holodeck imminently and here's my theory because we've got a couple events coming up in the next uh, couple of weeks that are usually kind of filler events you know between featured episodes Uh Um, and we just had the last one finish I'm putting my money on the 10th of March for season 5 or possibly the 8th because sometimes they do it on a Tuesday yeah what about you guys I'm saying either the 15th or the 22nd and I'm saying it's going to be within the next month. <laughs> Wait, way guess, to spread it yeah, out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're one of those guys at the roulette combat. table that's like, I'll put half my money on red, half on black. No, I've and already made happens. one very specific prediction this year. True. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so does that mean you get to set out for all the rest of the predictions? No, 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 it doesn't. I'm kind of wondering, also, this is kind of a prediction, maybe more of a, I hope it comes true. But the revamp of Deep Space Nine, I hope that's coming with uh, season 11.5. The thing is, I have a hard time believing that it's only going to be the skill system revamp that comes out in 11.5. Obviously, there's going to be a new featured episode. Yep, exactly. It's going to be the Mm -hmm. skill system revamp. But really, it's been awfully quiet. It's been a bit of a struggle on Stone News to come up with good content because we haven't really had any blogs. I mean, we've had the flagships out. Yeah. So there's one big project, tick. We've had the skill revamp hitting Tribble, tick. Tick. We know there's a featured episode, tick. But beyond that, there's usually a little bit more going on, and it's been pretty quiet. Yeah, we've had, like, nothing since Christmas, really, without the exception yeah. of the anniversary What, the event. whole anniversary event? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that's one thing, you know, yeah. and uh, a featured episode here and there, it has been very, very quiet, so... Yeah. There must be something else. Well, I'm hoping anyway, and obviously you are as well, that there's going to be yeah. something else coming out with season 11.5. Yeah. And I'm hoping that it's going to be the revamp of Deep Space Nine. 
Well, we we do know that's coming, don't we? We do know it's coming. We don't know yeah. when. The last time when? Al was on the show, he said when we asked him, he knows when it has to be done by. So mm-hmm. there is clearly mm-hmm. something coming, and yep. there is a deadline where it has to be done between now and whenever that deadline is. Okay, you heard it here first, folks. Those are our predictions for uh, season eleven point five. So, Mark, is there anything else that's going on in Star Trek Online? Well, what we have had in this past week, we've had yet another story from Jadra Ross, Passing Muster. It continues the story of the Naku and gives a hint to what the Federation may be in a distant future. Being a nice read, it may provide some thoughts and ideas to where we will see the continued story in the featured episodes and current story arc. Check out in the blog for yourself on the STO website and in the link in our show notes. And also, this is just a reminder that the new skill system revamp is still up for testing on Tribble. Now, they haven't unlocked character transfers yet, so they're still looking for feedback on the leveling system. If you get a chance, make sure you get in there and make your views known. Which leads to, what are our views on the skill system revamp now that we've had a week or so to actually get our hands dirty with it? Winters, why don't we start with you? Mm, I had a feeling that you were going to start with me first. Mm. Well, I'm... I'm still on the fence with it. What I really want to do is I want to get my main character from Holodeck onto Tribble and test mm. that out with uh, the new skill tree. I, I don't think I'll actually have a full, you know, proper opinion on it until I can actually do that. Yeah. It seems to be okay, you know, a, more, a little bit more simpler and clearer cut compared to the old system. Yep. Uh, there's definitely some interesting options in there for you know progressing up through the different categories, uh, tactical, engineer, and science. Yep. There's some really interesting passive abilities there. Mm. But yeah, as I said, I don't think I'll have a proper opinion on it until I can actually get my main guy on, uh, because I'm, I'm missing uh, number one. I'm missing the ship that I yep. play. Yeah. And yep. Then I, I'm missing all the gear. I can't get the gear. Like, for example, yeah. the plasmonic leech. And that is going to be a big thing for a lot of players. Is the we plasmonic leech. We want to find out leech. how that's going to work. Exactly. And right now, at the time of this recording, we cannot transfer our characters yet. It might happen by tomorrow, uh, which mm. will be Friday. Uh, I'm kind of hoping that it will, or we will be allowed to transfer characters from tomorrow. Yeah. And... Um, yeah, I'll be getting on there and I'll be testing it then with um, my main guy. But I do want to say one thing. Before this goes live, everybody should jump onto Tribble and transfer their main character or all their characters over and redo their skill tree on Tribble and write it down so that you don't mess it up when the system goes live. Yep. Get yep. ahead of it before it goes live and get onto Tribble. Play with it there while there's free respects and be prepared for it. Yeah, because the likelihood is... I mean, I think it would be nice to have more than one respec given to you free, but I think the likelihood is you're just going to get the one respec when it launches, Mm -hmm. and and then that'll be it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a little bit tricky. Um, I wanted to pick out on a point that you said about the fact that they're not currently uh, allowing the transfer of your main characters over, and yeah, this has been a difficult one for me, because of course, as soon as it launched, I was on triple, like I was there. Mm-hmm. I don't personally have the the time or the inclination to do the leveling, and that's a little bit disappointing, because I feel like I'm missing out on my opportunity to, to, to give some feedback, and I know that it's very important to them, but I've got 
main characters that I'm leveling on holodeck, and I don't want to use that time on Tribble to, right. to do that and throw it away. So I'm hoping that there are people out there, maybe some of our listeners, who are inclined to do that because they they really do need that feedback. Otherwise, what's going to happen is nobody says anything. It's just going to hit holodeck the way it is, and then you just have to live with it. So um, now's the time to, to get in there and make your opinions known. So yep. yeah, do that. Mark, what about you? No, I'm very much the same, sort of. <clears throat> I like the idea of it. It kind of ties it together with the specialization system, so it's almost like one uniform approach. So for new players coming in, it's not as much of a learning curve and as many different systems. I'm sort of looking at that approach, but like saying, I would quite like to see character and play about with it a little bit just yeah. to see where everything will be. But Tony has some nice points. Yeah, so Tony has just um, dropped in the chat, well, in our local chat, some rampant speculation. Do you just want to talk about it, Tony? Because I know you're here. I put it in there so you guys could pick it up and run with it or not. I mean, we talked earlier in the show about how, you know, I think there were crickets. Was, did I hear crickets? I think I yeah. heard crickets. So, <laughs> uh, But uh, well, my rampant speculation is that this is a, uh, the skill revamp is a sign a signal something that something big for new players is coming something a big attraction for people just getting into star trek online is around the corner something yeah. like expansion three <gasps> um you said uh, it he yeah. said it guys mm, yeah i did i'm going there because you know we talked many we've talked many times throughout the years uh with al about the the the, the two-horned prong the two-horned devil of of player retention uh, one is keeping people of, of, of player uh, populations. One is keeping your end game enthusiasts excited, right? Giving yep. them new things to do. The other one is not losing folks when they uh, join in and, and hit level ten or whatever when they for, first had their first, you know, uh, uh, it, it, I don't know what you want to call it. You know, learning curve when they yeah. hit that top of that learning curve. You got to you got to attack both the horns of those problems. Recently, you've had you know anniversary events and featured episodes. That's been to keep the existing players happy and to keep them yep. keep them going. The new the new players the the attraction uh, phase needs some love. Fiftieth anniversary, great time to try to get new people involved. What has been a big sticking point or, or a problem? Uh, the skill system for new players mm-hmm. is as tough is is pretty yep. dense. And this so, one seems to be really geared towards helping new players progress. I mean, that's clearly that's yeah. the focus of the of the leveling thing. Yeah, yeah. And it was very clear from our interview with um, Jeremy Randall last yeah. week that they're very key. They're very keen to make sure that new players understand the leveling process and the skill allocations yeah. while you're leveling. Hence so why, uh, yeah. yeah. Hence why the triple. If you wanted your hands on uh, the system early the cost for that was you had to re-roll a new character mm-hmm. because that they wanted they wanted to see people level and if they immediately let you bring your main character over well obviously people would do that and then they'd figure out their plasmonic leech yeah. um, and what happened to it so they needed it to be tested on brand new characters is why they made you do that so I, 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 again, signs and portents, random, ramp, rampant speculation, but I think this says to me that Expansion 3 is a lot closer than maybe people think. I made the exact same prediction at the start of the year, Tony. Yeah, but I'm proving it for you, so shut All up. right. <laughs> You're proving it. <laughs> well, on that note... Okay, I'm done now. I'm going back, I'm, I'm yeah. going back to work. Bye. 
Thanks, Tony. Well, that brings us to this week's community question. What are your thoughts so far on the new skill system? And one quick note for any of you who like to parse your runs, it appears as though the latest patch has made some changes to the format of the combat log. This seems to have broken compatibility with parsers, so you may have trouble with them until a fix is in place. And speaking of the patch, this one was a pretty long one, so bear with me for a few minutes. So first and foremost, the featured episode Time and Tide is now complete, so it's been changed to a level 60 episode in the Future Proof story arc. Just a reminder for those of you who may have missed it, you can still get all the special items rewarded for playing the episode, you'll just no longer get the spec point or upgrade option that you had while it was featured. I just want to point out as well that that particular story mission Time and Tide has a very, very good Admiralty card with it as well. So if you, yep. if you didn't pick up that card yet, play Time and Tide and you'll get a very good uh, science Admiralty card from that story mission. Well, that's the USS Pastak, isn't it? It is, yeah, but we never mentioned it at all, so I just wanted to get it in there. Ah, uh, yes, no, that's a good point. But that, that technically speaking, that's a Paradox Temporal Dreadnought, isn't it? Yes, I think Te- it is. Technically speaking. Yeah. So, yes, good. It's gold. Go get it. So there were also a couple of bug fixes in this week's patch, which some captains might find useful, like issues with the costumes for the KDF flagships not matching up. Moving on to some systems issues, there were a number of tweaks to ships, including Admiralty cards were updated for the Fleet Dideradex, APU Cruiser, and a whole bunch of other ships no one uses. Carrier small craft, fighters, and raiders are now more responsive to carrier commands, but no one flies carriers, so you probably won't notice that either. Full impulse abilities have now been added to carrier frigates, which also no one uses. There are also a few tweaks to abilities and weapons, which are too numerous to go into detail about here, but I should mention that corrosive plasma and Alachi subspace torpedo launchers now properly gain a modifier when upgrading from rare to ultra rare, although frankly you'll need it because the Alachi subspace torpedo, at least, has been nerfed. And finally, a number of outfits have been looked at, including some updates to the Mirror Universe uniform and an issue that was causing trill arms and chests to disappear. Now, this was actually a really big patch note, if you couldn't tell, with lots of detail, so we'll be sure to leave a link to the full list in the show notes for this episode at PriorityOnePodcast.com forward slash PO260. And again this week, in an effort to bring you some of the news and comments from PWE and Cryptic that aren't officially announced in the blogs, here's the latest comments pulled from the Twitterverse. Jeremy Randall at Bordicus Cryptic ponders life in space, asking... Do astronauts in space drool in their sleep? If so, how do they not drown? Do they wear hankies to bed? Yeah, Which is actually a totally legitimate question. Yeah. I would be curious to find out what the answer to that is. Uh-huh. Mm. And there were various tweets from many over at Cryptic wishing Captain Gecko a happy birthday early last week. We just want to add our very belated happy birthday. Happy birthday, Al. And lastly, before we wrap up Star Trek Online news, here are some upcoming events to look forward to. Well, the galaxy's still a mess and in need of a spruce up and a clean, it would seem. The Galactic Restoration event is back. You have until the 3rd of March at 9am Pacific Standard Time, which isn't long now if you're listening to us on Monday or release day, to log in and complete PvE queues and fleet actions. Based on our contributions, it will unlock a bonus experience week of either 50, 100 or 150%, which will run until the 10th of March. And upcoming from the 17th to the 21st of March is an item upgrade weekend. 
which I should mention is a very excellent chance to use your billions of Omega upgrades that you surely got from the anniversary event. Yeah. As always, events can be subject to change. Make sure you check the endgame calendar or listen here at Priority One Podcast for the latest news and updates to Star Trek Online. Now let's check in with Jace for another Star Trek Literary Review. Hello Captains, this is Jace with this month's edition of Trek Lit 101. I set out this episode with the intention of reviewing two more volumes of IDW's ongoing Star Trek comic series. However, I realized in the process that we've now reached the point in that series where it catches up with the events of Star Trek Into Darkness. As a result, before we continue with Volume 6, After Darkness, we'll take a sidetrack through two miniseries related to that film. First, Countdown to Darkness, which serves as something of a prelude to the movie, though more in theme than any strong tie-in content. Countdown to Darkness tells a story linked to the history of the Enterprise itself, as well as giving some backstory on Admiral Marcus. There are certainly some more hints about Section 31 as well, following up on prior foreshadowing in earlier volumes. Interestingly enough, characters from both the original series and the animated series appear in this volume, though it doesn't revisit any actual storylines from either. The first JJ-verse Trek obviously drew heavily from the animated series episode Yesteryear in its handling of Spock's childhood, so the reference here is not as surprising as you might think. This volume ends with the Enterprise en route to Nibiru, the planet from the opening sequence of Into Darkness. Themes involving both the Prime Directive and Spock's struggles following the loss of Vulcan and his mother are explored in Countdown to Darkness, which also sets us up for the conflicts we see on Nibiru. Our second volume this time is Star Trek Khan, picking up after the events of Into Darkness with the trial of Khan. I found this story especially interesting as it fleshed out not only the background of Khan himself and how he came to be John Harrison, but also an overview of the eugenics wars as well. Now I have not yet read the eugenics wars novels, which I know sometimes get mixed reactions among fans, so I can't say how much this aligns with the events of those books. However, Kirk and Spock at the end of the volume do discuss the possible unreliability of Khan's version of this story leaving room for interpretation for fans of the prior beta canon on this part of the timeline. I think it says something about Into Darkness that immediately on page 3 of Khan they show a hologram of Khan as he looked in Space Seed and question how this man calling himself Khan could be that historical figure. In any case, this volume answered some very important questions for longtime fans concerning the events of Star Trek Into Darkness. Whether those answers are satisfying, well, that's probably something each of us will have to decide for ourselves. And that brings us to our second community question for the week. If a future installment of the JJ-verse franchise were to revisit something from prior Trek, any series or movie, what would you want it to be? That's all for this week's Treklet 101. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where we open hailing frequencies for your incoming messages. Last week's community questions were, if you could replicate anything, what would it be? And from our on-screen segment, do you think Deanna and Wyatt had a chance at making it work, or would they have crashed and burned? And how about these side questions? Would Riker have pulled a Wayne's World and stopped the wedding? Would you want Loxana Troy as a mother-in-law? 
Tyler Maxwell posted on PriorityOnePodcast.com. Thanks for the Q&A with Bort. His insights into the skill revamp were great to hear. On to the community questions. If I could replicate anything, I'd get all the monies in the world. Then I could get anything I want. Smiley face. Really, though, I think it would depend on the size and capabilities of the replicator available. We'd never see any of them big enough to make Maseratis on a regular basis. It's pretty much limited to foodstuffs and 80s chic clothing. There's nothing in that bin that I particularly desire. I actually think that Deanna and Wyatt had a decent chance at making it as a couple. Maybe they wouldn't have been Riker Troy awesome, but I think they would have been alright. They seemed to like each other well enough. I think Riker would have sat back and let the wedding happen. As much as he cared about Deanna, he didn't seem ready to make that commitment until much later in the series. Loxana is always fun to watch, though not so much when her attentions are turned towards you. Still, she seemed like a solid, matronly character, so she'd probably be an okay in-law. Sean Newboy posted, Biggest fail this year, not knowing the counter to Buried Alive, Riker facepalm. Yes, I know, I'm embarrassed. Let it go. Right, entertaining show, everyone. I'll let it go, maybe. Gavin Rootblade posted, Thanks for the great interview with Boricus, and thanks to Bort for being so great about the feedback in general. Here on Twitter, on Reddit, in the forums, you're really doing an amazing job engaging the community, so thank you. I'll just answer one community question this time. I would enjoy Luxana as an in-law. Yes, she can be rude and impolite from time to time. I also know that she and my mother would have way too much fun together. And I know I would definitely laugh a lot more at family events. And finally, Jeremy Randall at Bordicus Cryptic tweeted in response to the episode, Finally got a chance to listen to this busy Monday. Really great episode and thanks again for allowing me on. Allowing him on? He used to he used to do the podcasty thing. He used to be his shtick. Yeah, but not recently. And I tell you what, I mean, he did have to like email and call us like so many times. I mean, it, it was starting to get annoying. And frankly, we just let him on just to shut him up. Really. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know how it is when you walk away from the fame and glory of podcasting. I mean, yeah. you know, it's it's it. You know, you think you'll do anything to exactly. get back in. I mean, you think yeah. that you've got that monkey off your back, and it, it just drags you right back in. I know. It's, 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 it's evil. It really is. That's that's how you guys got me back on this show. I mean, me too. <laughs> Welcome back, Tony. Hey. Glad to have you. <laughs> we love hearing from you, so leave us a voicemail by clicking on the SpeakPipe widget on our homepage, and that's in addition to our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash priority one, our Twitter page at priority one pod, and of course, you can always leave us a comment on our website, priorityonepodcast.com. Well, that wraps up episode 260 of Priority One Podcast. But before we go, here's a reminder of this week's community questions. What are your thoughts so far on the new skill system in Star Trek Online? And if a future installment of the JJ-verse franchise were to revisit something from prior Trek, any series or movie, what would you want it to be? Captains, you know we love hearing from you. Submit your responses for our community question in the comment section on our website. You can also leave a comment on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Priority One Podcast or tweet us via at Priority One Pod. You can even leave us a voicemail via SpeakPipe. Just click on the widget on our homepage at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Don't miss a thing from the world of Star Trek. Catch our episodes every Monday morning by pointing your podcast catchers to feeds.priorityonepodcast.com. And if you're listening to us via iTunes, please leave us a review. More importantly, help spread the word about the show. Now that we're covering all things Star Trek, be sure to retweet and share our posts. Invite your fellow Trekkies. It's your support that keeps us going. 
And don't forget to tune in to Priority One Productions Guard Frequency podcast at guardfrequency.com. Covering the world of space sims, including Star Citizen, Elite Dangerous, Descent Underground, and many, many more. If you like this show, then listening to Guard Frequency is the logical choice. Thanks to our graphic artists, Romulan Ale and Jason Smith. And if you enjoy our comics, the creator of our comic series, Jonathan Towery, can be commissioned at johntowery.com. Thanks to all our bloggers and their managing editor, L. To the writer of our skits, Jake Morgan. To our video editor, Jerry Tillman. And to consultant Midnight Shadow 7 of Holosuite Media for supporting the show. Thanks to our audio team, led by Michael McDonald, with assistance from Brandon Parker, Jake Morgan, and Gavin LaWarn. Thanks to the composer of our theme music, Chris Watts. Thanks to our syndication partners, Subspace Radio and Trek Radio. And most importantly, a big thanks to you, the Star Trek community, and our listeners, because without your ongoing support, none of this would be possible. Red Alert! Ready Weapons! Engage! Captains, you're listening to episode 260 of Priority One Podcast, your weekly report on all things Star Trek. Recorded live on Thursday, February 25th, who said it was going to be three minutes in? Because you lose. That was like 30 seconds (laughs) in. Not even. Not even. And it's all like one sentence as well. I got to start over and act like it's all fresh and new. Jeez. Oh, man. From the top. Uh, From the top. Wow. With your help, we can keep moving the quality and content of. We can keep moving. We can keep moving the quality and content. I was looking for a moving it up, moving it forward, but no, we're just gonna move yeah. it. It's I'm gonna move. I've improving. got a pile of quantity. I've got a pile of quantity here. Okay, this yeah. is our pile of quantity. I've just, I've just moved it. You people. I didn't do that. That was not me. Yeah, I know you didn't do that. We know who did it. We know who did. It. Don't we, Winters? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, man. It's almost, it. it's almost like Winters is omnipotent. <laughs> omnipotent. He's an omnipotent. He's omnipotent. he's the pineapple of potency. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the pineapple of potency. There's oh your God. show title for the week, kids. <laughs> yeah. Beep beep. <clears throat> Very potent. Moving on. And there's something for the soundboard. Okay. <laughs> Kenna coughs. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. <clears throat> dun, dun, dun. <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and hit stop and export. This is Kenna twerk it out sync one. <laughs> Nicely done. This is Tony not twerk it out sync two. This is Winters twerking it out sync three.
<laughs> the way you said it, it's like you are currently twerking. It out. <laughs> anyway. We had a discussion off uh, air about what his chair does to him. So yes, I think he probably is twerking it out right now. For the re- for the record, Winter sits on a triple during the whole the entire podcast. show. The entire yeah. show. Um. Anyway, bringing it back. Uh, um. Basically, if Paramount wants the court to pull out a big bag of shh with Axanar's name on it, they'd better make a compelling case. It, wow, I did not see that coming. No. Big bag of shh. I had to do it that way. <laughs> wait, wait, Tony. Yeah, I know. Let, calm down, everyone. Let the comedy roll just for a I've moment. Got, yeah. yes. Get it all out. Get it all out. And then I'll finish the, the, the official. Okay. Okay. Wait, Tony, I think you need to shh. Yeah. Big bag of shh with your name on it. Is this a torpedo to the hull? <laughs> well done. Well played. Oh, God. I thought everyone was waiting well for somebody played. to do that. Yeah. So. Now, don't do any more of it because we're already three minutes oh, no, into no, what no, should no, be I like promise. a one-minute segment. Okay. I promise. I promise. promise. Okay, yeah. Yeah, right. Here we go. It's that, it's that new box of wine talking. You're scared, aren't you? I am. I'm frightened. <laughs> I have the power over you from like across an ocean. This is brilliant. <laughs> no, but carry on, though. You were doing a great job. I'm going to have to go with the technology explanation, but it's certain that this story has really captured the imagination of the general re- general republic, I almost said. <laughs> Which republic? Oh, dear. Do you know, I've got one eye that's gone really blurry, and I can't read the damn script. <laughs> Where's everything gone? It's been gone? a struggle. It's been a, it's been a real struggle. Right. <clears throat> Well, Captains, this is the part of the show where Mark and I bring you up to speed on the latest news about Star Trek Online. I thought you were going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Now let's check in with Jace for another literary review. <laughs> <laughs> Full impulsibilities have now been added to carrier frigates, which also no one uses. <laughs> my god lives in a pineapple under the sea spongebob square pants <laughs> was that in the patch notes that was in the patch notes it's unbelievable <laughs> finally Kenna's hosting abilities have been upgraded to apply plus snark whenever anyone does something for a ship she doesn't have we should totally sing let's sing happy birthday to you come on guys Happy birthday to you. Nobody's joining me. Happy birthday, dear Captain Gecko. Happy birthday to you. And many hey. more. I'm so disappointed you guys didn't join in. That was going to be so cute. And finally, Jeremy Randall himself at Bordacris. Bordacris Cryptic. Are you pinching your nose? Did you just and pinch final- your nose or something? What? No, no, I just kind of like, I just had a a A mouth malfunction. It's fine. To the writing, to the writing of our skits. Yes, we want to thank the writing of our skits. (laughs) Because you said it like it was like a a toast. To the writing of our skits. I did. Clink. I did. I did. Yes, I I don't have a glass of wine. (laughs) Neither do I anymore. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Just go on without me. It's okay. Okay, we know. Yeah, it's okay. You just stay right here and make and, and make make a mess of yourself. We'll finish the show. 
to the writer of our skits. Shh. <laughs> Got a big bag of shh <laughs> with your name on it. Remember that? Mary had a little shh. To the writer of our skit. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> zip it. <gasps> you just zip it. When a problem comes along, you just zip it. <laughs>